This is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. For those that are new, I just briefly want to refer you to a website I have, ultimatemeaning.com. When you go there, you will find on the home page a flip book. And in that flip book is very original writing and understanding by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that has many uh, places that are highlighted in red print, which are links to YouTube videos that show very profound and amazing evidence from many fields of science and archaeology of the reality of what I'm sharing about. So check that out. Now, this message is for those that have come to know the ultimate meaning and purpose for their existence and for this universe, which is only found in love, the ultimate perfection of love, who is who the one true eternal God could only possibly be. God is love. I am sharing with you about the one true eternal God. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the English, it was, it's often referred to as Lord God. Those two names most of the time are translated from the original, the word Lord meaning Yahweh, which means self-existence. It basically means the ultimate reality, separate and above and beyond creation. There's a lot of meaning in that word. It is also described as the I am that I am. Christ described himself in the New Testament as the I am, referring to this word, Yahweh. And so that's what the word Lord means. And the word God is mostly translated Elohim, which means literally the Almighty's, plural, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For God to be able to be God, to be Almighty, he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation, within creation, and filling all creation. As the Father, he is beyond creation, sees the end from the beginning, is the very source. The Son is the full expression of the source, who is the Father, ruling in the creation realm, limiting himself to the creation realm to experience it and have fellowship with his creation. In fact, the word Son basically means expression. The word Word basically means expression. It is the expression of God the Father, that's why it says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus Christ is the full expression of God the Father. And of course, the Holy Spirit is God in omnipresence, attached to every particle of existence in his intelligence and his power to be able to raise the dead or do whatever he wants. In this physical dimension, of course, there are many dimensions now we know from particle physics they're far superior to the physical dimension. 
And of course, when you die, you enter an ultra real permanent realm that is many, 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 many times more real and more fulfilling than this very temporal dimension. But I'm here to share with those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, which is only what can satisfy the inner core of your being. You have a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled with the Spirit of God. And so God is the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yes, he is so great that he can condescend to this one little speck of a planet in the midst of the vast universe that he has created and can not only communicate with his creation, but came and suffered more than you, a mere creature, humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent of your sin and be forgiven and reconciled to God. This is good news that you can have eternal life. That God's love is so great that it always was in the being of God that he could love us that much. That he could take judgment upon himself for us. You see, he didn't create us as robots. He created us as free will beings. We are the source of our own action. And because we are, we are self-responsible. So you can't blame God for the devil for creating the devil. No, we create our own destiny, so to speak, because we are beings that are self-originating, that have free will, which is only what is possible in order to have the capacity to love. And God's purpose is to bring us into harmony and oneness with him who is the very source of love, and love is the very source of reality of who God is. And I could go on talking about this, but I'm just doing an introduction here that maybe is a bit on the long side. But this message that I am speaking here is to those that are gathering in assembly, whether in a small group of two or three people all the way up to very large congregations. It is a message to those that are gathering around Jesus Christ, who is fully God manifest in the flesh. Two men communicated to men. He even came to Abraham in Genesis 18. You can read it there. There's three angels standing before Abraham. He, he asks them if he can make them a meal and he makes them a meal and they all eat together and he talks to one of them and addresses that one the leader, as Yahweh. That's the most sacred name for God that I just described. Yes, so God the Father is Yahweh, God the Son is Yahweh, and God the Holy Spirit is Yahweh. They have different functions, and they are in three individual personages in those functions. But they are one, and there is only one true eternal God. And I want to share with you today what God is saying to you as an individual and to the churches in this time of great crisis in the world. And what I do is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible with two independent random applications so that I get two chapters by the casting of lot that would bear witness with each other as to the theme that God is wanting to speak from those two chapters. 
Yes, it is very scriptural to do this often and very extensively practiced in the Old Testament for many things, for choosing the order of choirs and dividing out the land even after they decided what <laughs> the way they wanted the land divided. Moses then says, nevertheless, now you must cast lots to divide the land. Yes. It must be done with great reverence and a right relationship with God or it does not work. And if you do this presumptuously, disrespectfully, or with sin in your life, that would be divination. But it was practiced by the early church in choosing the apostle to take Judas's place and by powerful movements of revival throughout history like the Moravians. So I want to share with you what I received today. And I also choose often a song, not always by the casting of lot, because I'm very fussy and sometimes I get the right song, but I don't want to put it up because I'm putting up songs where they have the words that can be played on YouTube videos so that a church can use it. And I have the playlist on my website at loverealize.com. And I like really very high quality songs. And so I am today just choosing one of those songs that I've already put on that playlist at loverealize.com that I believe goes with the message today. And so I want to play that particular song now, which is a song that really brings a rising in your spirit of courage to be fearless in this hour when the enemy would seek to intimidate you. So here is this song that we will now worship together with. I'll just have to bring it up here. I don't always have things suddenly ready here, but I will have it here in a brief moment as soon as I find where I have it. Here it is. Here we go. Yeah. 
should our posture be today in such a desperate hour? Should we arise and pleasure sing? strong, courageous to endure. Tis here that life or death is won. Who will God's praise That is the heart set that is needed in this hour of crisis that is increasing as time goes on. We are at a time that is the most serious time in the history of the world, really. I don't need to go into all of that. You can check out on my website links to news sources that will make you aware of the reality of what is going on. These news sources that I have links to are always integrous or integral to show the facts, to find the true sources. They're not lying to you like most of the news, news media nowadays is since they've been infiltrated over the last 30 years by the Chinese Communist Party and by globalist elites and others that are in alignment with the same Antichrist mindset, which is to replace government with the government of God in our hearts, being the supreme government in our lives. And I want to share with you now what I've received from the Word of God. Now, I haven't spoken much recently, like usually uh, things are normal. I am almost preaching every single day. But right now, there's a lot of things going on in my life with a financial kind of crisis situation, praying for God to bring breakthrough. There's also a book that I'm about to upload on the internet. On It'll probably be titled Afterlife Incredible Ir Irrefutable, or I might call it Incredible Irrefutable Afterlife. But it's pretty well almost ready to process and be published on Amazon, both as a Kindle and a um, paperback with uh, some really 
great software that is only $65 for life. It's tremendous. It's called Scribner that a lot of professionals use, and I find it excellent. So I am going to now just share with you what um, I received today and from some of the days just before today as well, since I haven't been sharing a lot. Today I received... Joshua 12, which really doesn't have a lot in it, except that it's describing Israel conquering the kings, 31 kings. And then Psalm 56, which fits in with it, as you will see as I begin to share. And I wanted a little bit more insight, so I did get another chapter, but I won't go into that chapter right now for a time. So that's what I received today. And there is an overall theme coming through the casting of lots this week. That becomes very evident from the message that you will see coming from these chapters today. But I want to touch on a few chapters that I didn't preach on the days before. And that, again, had a similar theme. For example, in Galatians, there's a verse that says, Be on your guard in the New International. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. In the King James, it says, Quit you like men and be strong. And that really is an emphasis again on courage in the time of conflict. And that was from Galatians 1, and there's also 1 Corinthians that was there, 16, and I don't even have that on there. And the day before that, the common theme was, in those two chapters, was Romans 5 and Judges 20, and the common theme in those two chapters is that we can be strong in the grace of God by having a heart that is repentant to be morally persuaded in who God is in his grace towards us. And I won't go on. I'm just, you know, I'm just touching on a few things there before I get into this message here. So today, I just first of all want to read Joshua, uh, some of the verses in Joshua chapter 12. Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon onto Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. And I could go on and it reads about various powerful kings that were giants. I think one was 12 or some odd feet tall, or maybe it was 10 feet, I've forgotten which, but there was the king of Og and others there. And all of these in the natural would be easily able to conquer Israel because they were giants and they had fortified cities, etc., etc. But God knows that he is able to bring his people to a place where they can know a union with him that can cause them to triumph over against overwhelming odds. It says in the word of God, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And so there's this list of kings in Joshua 12. And then we go to Psalms chapter five, pardon me, not chapter five, chapter 56. And I want to read this Psalm. It's not a long Psalm. So I'm going to read some of it, maybe all of it. To the chief musician upon Joph el Rechokim, 
Mictum of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What a verse. When we face overwhelming odds, it's easy to be intimidated. It's easy to become afraid. But that's the very time that we learn to trust in God. And then it begins to explain how we trust in God in the following verses. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And we know that King David faced overwhelming odds. He did with his brother Absalom when he rebelled and they tried to take the kingdom from him. And that was the other chapter I got today that again points out the context of the theme which is in Psalms 56. And the context is overwhelming odds that intimidate us that are literally going to take our life in the natural. Take us away, in the case of King David. And he faced that many times. So he learned the secret to overcome in these difficult trials that are so intimidating. And so I want to continue to read here. Every day they rest my words, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul. We have a lot of that happening today. People marking our steps, waiting for our soul. Look, it's happening in the United States to the righteous that are standing against all of the evil that has manifested itself in such absolute insanity that it's obvious that it is demonically inspired. The teaching to have children change their sex and, and to encourage this kind of thing that is in the schools and that damages them for life is one example. And here Biden the other day had some, whatever you call them, uh, up there that he was interviewing half male, half female type person, some guy that wanted to become a woman in the midst of a serious crisis where there's the possibility of civil war, not civil war, of nuclear attack in Russia with Ukraine. And here China is about any time possibly to take over Taiwan, to try to attack Taiwan which the United States is obligated to defend. There is such a crisis going on. We know the election was stolen. We see all the cover-up and the bribes that have happened through Klaus Schwab and the, economic world, the World Economic Forum. Oh, I mean, I don't have time to get sidetracked by that. But the, 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 what's happening to the righteous? They're being brought before the court, a total charade with false accusations, and everyone's beginning to see how absolutely false it is and how much of a charade it is. Now they're going to bring Trump before the court on November the 4th. And so the time, so things go on. People are being falsely accused. 
and their steps are being watched. And you might not have necessarily in your life maybe people at this time that are doing that. But demons are looking down and they are watching your steps and they are trying to stumble you at your weak points. And so it is that we need to be those that are always on guard, that are sober. It is easy to get into a life of ease and giddiness. The prophets were those that were, the false prophets were those that were trivial and light. That doesn't mean you can't be human and be filled with joy and humor that is without irreverence. But it also means you have a quality that is very serious with God and with the reality of this world and that we face. When you're in battle, you're not there in a light, giddy way. You're there with full focus. And I want to share with you some of the secrets that are in this chapter about overcoming. And so it says here, they gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God, or O Almighty's Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? How wonderful this is. Have you ever found yourself filled with tears because you're wanting to see breakthrough in the lives of others that you love? You're wanting to see breakthrough in your own life because maybe your life is barren like mine has been for most of my life. I never, I wanted to have a wife and time and time again, God allowed my heart to be broken when it was just on the verge of being married in one situation and they all really loved me and I loved them but for some reason these things went another way and they fell in love with someone else whatever your trials are that God is putting you through and there's your wanderings have you ever wandered in your hunger and desire even for the things of God I have wandered wanting to find a church where Lord I fit and where I knew I could at least be used somehow and see breakthrough and see your glory. Yes, and there was tears over all of that and wanderings at one time in my life quite a bit. And I was crying out unto God. I wanted to see so much more. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemy turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God I will praise his word in the Lord. Now, in God is the word Elohim here. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. This is repeated in this psalm, this phrase here. In God, have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. This is a repeat. Earlier on, it said, I will not be afraid what flesh can do unto me. It's basically saying the same thing. It's an emphasis on it. So I want to just point out what the meaning of these words are here in this passage of Scripture. There's some significant words that I want to point out to you here in verse um, 10. There's two words I want to point out. One is the word praise and what that word praise means, and the other is the word word. And so 
here we have, in God, I will praise. This word praise basically means to be clear, to shine. It's you're expressing yourself to highlight not you, but to highlight God. Halal is the word. Ha is the word that is the picture in the symbol language of Hebrew of a man with his hands raised in the air, either dancing or jumping with or in awe. But it's a man or a human being standing with his hands praised like he's about to just show forth joy. It's, it's, it's a moment of awe and of fulfillment. And then the next word, is the word lamid, which means it's it's the cane of the shepherd to pull in the sheep. In other words, we are focusing our self. We're pulling in who God is. We are, we're pointing to who God is. The staff points the sheep in the right direction. The staff directs the sheep, pulls in. It is the discipline of focus. So we're in awe of God. And we are praising him. And there's the discipline of focus in that. And this is what the word praise basically means. To shine, to be clear. You look it up and you'll find that in the original meaning. In God will I praise his word. So what does this word word mean? It's the word debar. And it basically means a word. But the symbol letters of this word debar mean as follows. The first letter is D, which is the symbol of a tent door and of entering. It's the symbol of entrance. The next letter, B, which is the letter bed, is the symbol of a tent in a diagram like a blueprint that is a symbol of habitation, the place of dwelling, of comfort, of oneness, of fellowship, of fulfillment, of completeness. You're entering into the place of completeness and fulfillment. And the last letter is rish, which means priority. It's the representation of the head on the body. You're giving priority to the place of union. So this word debar, which means word, it means entering in to the place of oneness with God that is expressed in priority to point to even a greater oneness with God. It is God in his oneness, in his communion, in his wholeness of being, in his perfection of being, being expressed in priority over everything else so that that priority is causing God to be enlarged in his creative purposes. Why does God create? He creates out of his love for enlargement in that love, not that he is not satisfied with the measure of love there is, but that love is of such a nature that it is always creative and enlarging. And the word of God, which basically means expression, which is another word for Christ in, for, uh, in John chapter 1, and the word became flesh. This word is basically the full expression of God prioritized. So that in that priority, it breaks through what 
into new realms that become the kingdom of God. Of course, there's a lot more to that. It says the word of God is as silver refined seven times. And there are a lot of people nowadays that call themselves prophets. And they're being very presumptuous because they have not had God put them through the trials to bring them to the place where they are so refined that whenever they speak, it is only purely out of the word that God gave them. And so they speak presumptuously. And there are many that are doing that nowadays. It is very clear that you should be very integrous and upright before God and know that you know that what you are saying has really been given to you from God. And God is wanting us to come into a place where we know such a deep union with him that we can effectively speak not our words. I think of the fact that I know certain people that have said they're prophets and they claim that they've had trips to heaven and so on, and yet they, this great storm comes and they figure they can command it and they command it and then it came anyhow because they were presumptuous and they didn't have that power to stop that storm, which exposed them as not really being a prophet. But there's another video you can see on the internet of a man where a tornado is coming directly at his house in the next 10 seconds or 15 seconds and he sticks out his hand and says, you will not touch my house in the name of Jesus. You go away and this thing just lifted up, went right over top of the house and continued on the other side. You don't speak the word of God presumptuously. Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. The question is, no, you just don't presumptuously command me. No. But if you are walking in a deep union with Christ, when you speak, you speak out of the Spirit. And then you know that what you are speaking is from God, and you know that that word will have force and power, as it did to raise the lame person when Peter and the other apostle were going to the place of prayer as described in the book of Acts. They perceived he had faith, and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In this passage here, with these two words, I want to emphasize again. It says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what God can do unto me. In God will I praise his word. I will give priority and highlight to who God is in his expression, which is in his son, but also in his expression to me personally. In the Lord will I praise his word. And the word Lord there is Yahweh. In, the, um, in Yahweh, in the I am that I am, I will praise his word. In the Almighty's, I will praise his word. In the I am that I am, which is in the Almighty's, in the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Spirit, will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death and wilt not 
Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Yes. So God is wanting to emphasize, and I want to emphasize that God has been speaking very clearly to me this week about courage. And that was the message that was the other day. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And I began to have my eyes open because I thought, Lord, here I've been trying to win my own family to Christ. And I, you know, one person tells me, oh, my brother's saved. And yet I don't see any evidence that he's saved. And there was one time when I heard him denying that he believed in the Bible. And then now they're saying, but I don't see any. He's just living the same old life. Never goes to church or anything else. Two of my brothers. That's the case with them. And I began to realize, Lord, I have not been moved to be courageous out of the impelling love of God to talk to them on the phone and, Lord, give me the right words. I'm certainly praying for him to give me the right words. But I've been too passive. I became too passive, feeling like, how can... You know, sometimes you feel totally helpless to reach someone because they're so familiar with you or they they don't... The ones that are closest to you, closest to you are the ones that don't really believe in you. They're always critical, you know, like they were with Christ. He couldn't do many miracles among them. I guess it's because they see too much of your human weakness. But there comes a time when God honors his name. And I, I believe many of us have families and God wants to break through in their lives. But God's showing me, I need to be bold. And I need to be courageous. And I need to say, listen, you know, what are you doing with your life? God has a wonderful destiny. Are you going to enter into the destiny in your life? Or what are you doing? Why are you, are you spending your time living for God? You, do you really, is it true what someone told me that you, you are a Christian, you believe in the Lord, that you believe you're saved? You know, we need to really be strong with one another to be our brother's keeper, to be truly those that love one another. It means we have salt in ourselves, enough to speak the truth that may result in misunderstanding and rejection because that's the price of genuine love. Genuine love is the love that the word of God describes as faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful. Those that are true friends will speak the truth even at the cost of being rejected. And God wants this kind of love in his people. And it is fear, it is intimidation of the enemy that stops us from being bold and courageous to come into genuine union with one another because we fear being rejected by one another. But God is calling us in this hour to be those that speak the truth in love. You can speak love one to another, but if it's not in the truth, and you begin, what happens is you begin to have an identity in one another more than in your relationship with God. This happens to churches over and over again. I have seen it happen in my pilgrimage. And then they all the bricks look the same. They're all homogenous. There's not the individuality there. God wants a beautiful mosaic of individual stones in unity. And that means that there's a balance between individuality and striving for oneness with one another. 
The mindset that is denominative is not inclusive of those that do not fit into the mold that we have perceived as our little group. Someone comes along from a totally different background. He doesn't fit into your little group. And you think, oh, they're coming there. And you don't fully receive them. It's picked up. It's picked up when you don't fully receive someone because they don't fit into your mold of the way you worship and the way you believe maybe on things that are not the central doctrinal issues of relationship to have a oneness with God and with each other. And these things get in the way. And that is part of the battle is to overcome that. That is intimidating too. When we fall into that trap of identity more in one another than in our relationship with God. So this is the message that God is giving today to the body of Christ to rise up and become whom God has called you to become, to arise and shine, for gross darkness is covering the people as described in Isaiah 60. And he's calling us to rise up in this hour and have so much love and passion for God that it overflows in a love for one another that doesn't care about being misunderstood and rejected, that wants to be in the place of being hidden, that doesn't want to be seen or known, but only by God. Such is the love we need for God and for one another. Paul said, death works in us that life might work in you. That is the love that God's wanting. And I could go on talking here for a long time about unity in the body of Christ, but I don't want these messages to be too long. And so, I just want to emphasize that I am coming out with this book on the evidence of life after death. It will probably be called Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable, but we'll see. I could have a different name on it. And also I have this book up there called God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which is basically a lot to just call the body of Christ to come forth and be what God is wanting it to be in these last days in local assemblies. It is bringing forth what will not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting local assemblies in these last days. There must be the full habitation of Christ dwelling in living stones in these last days. And this book is all about returning to making God's house, a house of prayer and holiness, of bringing that New order into the body of Christ, which is the order that does not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. So feel free to get that book on Amazon.com and Kindle or print form, and it will help support me as well. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.